Well, hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I don't even remember what number this is, nine. but I don't think it even matters at this point. It's number nine. Odd I'm number. I'm Mark Morell. I'm a co-founder of Carrier's Edge, and with me as always is... Jane Jazarawi, also a co-founder of Carrier's Edge. I always feel like Wayne's World when we do that. Jane and Mark, <laughs> Wayne and Garth. That is a little close. Party on, Jane. Party on, Garth. Oops, sorry, Mark. <laughs> All right. So we have got some things to go through today. Well, we have big excitement. We're just back from the TCA annual convention and much to talk about. Yeah, the the excitement is done. Well, yes, we have to relive it. We have to relive it. The virtual excitement. Yes. So, yes, last week, Truckload Carriers, Truckload Carriers Association annual convention, the exciting 79th uh, (coughs) annual convention, Held at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville. Nashville and we'll have a whole section talking about our feelings on the Gaylord Opryland. Yeah. <laughs> As compared to the Kingston Holiday Inn Express. Yes. But uh, so we were there. It was a different experience for us because we exhibited there, which we have not done in years. Uh, and we also, of course, gave out the awards for the best fleets to drive for. So we can talk about that and talk about some of the things that we saw uh, at the convention, some of the speakers and some key learnings from that event. Did you have learnings that were key? I did not, because that is not a word. It is a phrase that people use. I hate it. Yeah. Consultants with their ridiculous outfits and overpriced yeah. uh, uh, words of wisdom. But yes, so um, digging right into it, we uh, presented our top 20 best fleets to drive for on stage. It was fantastic as it always is. Jane did an outstanding job standing up there reading from a prompter. What? I not only had to read from a prompter, but I had to make sure that uh, all the questions were answered. Most of the questions were from our sponsors, but I had to make sure that was all set. Had to make sure they knew what they were doing. Had Mm -hmm. to... uh, well, I had to make sure that you had all the top 20 at yeah. the, at their seats at the table. Them. Yeah, that's a They're a generally pretty well behaved. They're usually pretty well behaved, but there's always a couple that show up late and uh, scare the hell out of me. Thing is, though, is that now that we're, we were moved to fourth... Yeah. In the lineup, it was yeah. kind of, they were kind of sitting there for a while. Yeah. And we let them read the books for too long. Yeah. So. Which is which is uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Yes. Okay. So yeah. we, every year we do these books and you can find them at bestfleetstodrive4.com. And um, I believe we're going to post them on the Facebook page as well. Basically, it's like a little booklet that includes in the center, in the centerfold, you get the all the different scores for the top 20 and all the different categories and the things that we were scoring. And normally, I don't know what it was with this year, we've done it exactly the same way for eight years. But this year, everybody seemed to want to read it. Yeah. And uh, which was kind of a problem because you can, well, you can't and you can. You can't really figure out who the winners are. That's for sure. Well, you know who's in the running. Yeah. Yeah, the people who aren't in the running are... If you can do math quickly in your head, you can get a sense of who the top scorers are, but we don't include all of the data that's used to determine the overall winners. So you can't ever get all of it. You can get a sense of who might be there, uh, and that's really the best case. 
But what was different this year, as you just mentioned, is that uh, uh, we had a little bit of a different schedule. Normally, during the Tuesday general session, the Best Fleets Award is like the first thing they do. They have the, it's usually like president's remarks or something like that. So they have like a speech from the uh, uh, president or the chairman for a couple of minutes. Yeah, and then they get right to our award. Well, this year they had a couple of uh, Oh, the uh, president, people, not the chairman. The president, then they had the incoming chairman, then they had one of their speakers from the morning, and then we were on. So we were like 40 minutes into this program before the thing, uh, before our thing started. And so during that time, all the best fleets, uh, top 20, are sitting there in their designated spots because they all have to sort of march up onto stage in, in the proper order. So they're all sitting together. They're not with their staff. Um, they're with. They're just by themselves sort of with their other fellow winners. So they really have nothing to do. They're not going to chit-chat all that much. So what are they doing? They're digging into the books to try and figure out who the overall winners are. And we actually got some pictures of it because it was quite funny to see them all studying these books in the dark as well. Yeah. And like and not paying attention to the speaker. All with their reading glasses I on, know. digging into these things and trying to do the math in their head and figure out who the overall winners are. So... The lesson Rick, learned. Rick from Central Oregon actually looked around and asked me about, and I was wearing contacts, <laughs> and I can't see anything at all with contacts in, like if I'm reading, because I need reading glasses to see if I'm wearing contacts. So that was, I was like, I can't even, I can't discuss that. <laughs> I can't even see it. I don't know what it was. Well, the, the lesson for us is to stop giving out the books at the beginning of yeah. the general session, which we've done since the first year. In the first year that we did the Best Fleets program, um, there was actually books sitting on every seat when people came in. Uh, we brought like 1,200 books down and put one on every seat. Um, of course, eight or 900 of those books were still on the seats afterwards. So we learned the lesson that there is a, a subset of attendees that want those books. So we started putting them uh, on a table so people can pick them up as they come in, which normally has worked fine. But this year, all of a sudden, people are grabbing handfuls of them and just studying them. Oh, I yeah. saw, oh, I can't remember who it was, who um, basically picked up a stack of 20. <laughs> And it was a top 20. Oh, yeah. So some of them that want to yeah. have a copy of the book to bring home to like every person on their management team, which mm-hmm. is, is nice because you put a lot of work into making that thing. And it looked great this year. This year's Best Fleets book looks really nice. And maybe Thank that's you. why maybe that's why people are grabbing for it, even though it's roughly the same data that it's we have in it, it every year. It's because there's all these hands reaching up <laughs> on the cover. And so it makes you just want to reach out. It's and all get, of them why, the books. Why, yeah. Why do, why do people want to reach up for something? Mm-hmm. What is it? So they so they got the books and now they have uh, all the information. So now I'm, now they have all the ammunition mm-hmm. for their for their um, consultations. Yeah. Why did I get this? Oh yeah. Oh. So after the award presentation, um, we have uh, the final reports that we provide to people who have asked for them, which is sort of a summary of all of their information they've provided, um, the scores, all of their driver surveys, and some comparison data as well. So we had all those ready, and we actually had them ready before we went. And then I realized that if you actually look at those things, you can kind of figure out who the winner is from there. Certainly, if you are the winner, you'll know, because the comparison data will be all of your information. 
well, that'll, uh, <laughs> that, won't, that won't stump people very long. So we finished these reports and had to sit on them for a couple of weeks. But now uh, convention is over uh, so we can get those distributed and throughout April be doing the consultations with people that want to spend a little bit of time digging into what they can be doing differently. So um, that is always an interesting exercise. Um, so we'll see how it goes uh, this year. I should also point out uh, the fantastic um, sponsors reception that we had on the Monday yes. afternoon, which uh, is something that we've been doing now for, I think, five or six years. Uh, ever since Bose started sponsoring, this was their idea, a fantastic idea to uh, host a reception for all of the best fleets, past and present. So we get all of this year's winners that attend, plus anybody at the convention who was ever a winner in the past. So we end up with about 60 or 70 people there, and it's a great chance for them to. There's uh, a few pictures on uh, on our Facebook page. Yep. yep. Problem is, is again, I was taking pictures, but again, I was wearing contacts. <laughs> so all and, the pictures are blurry. Well, not all of them. Some of them are fine. But I need a photographer. Yeah. I need someone well, to... Well, if you're taking to, pictures and they all look blurry to you anyway, then you don't know. I can't see. I, I can't see them. Yeah. So I look at them on my uh, on my phone and it's, yeah. But you can tell that we're all Gen Xers and boomers because nobody thinks to take like pictures while we're there. We need to get some millennials that are taking selfies for everything. And then we would have better photography I took there. some selfies. They were awkward selfies. It was terrible. Yeah. I'm too old to take a <laughs> selfie. So... And we're always having too good of a time to even really think about it. So. Well, this is the other thing is that I'm busy talking to people. And sometimes I think, oh, I should take a picture of them. And then sometimes I don't. Mm. And I think that uh, I end up talking to all the, the multi-time winners. And you yep. tend to have a little bit more uh, wherewithal. And then you, you get around to all the first timers. Well, I try to get to everybody. So particularly the people that were on it on the list in the past and haven't been for a few years. I want to sort of coax them into coming back onto it. Um, so yeah, I have a chance to talk to some of them and I just sort of get around. It's I try and get around. It's short. Yeah, it's an hour and it's a half. so short. Uh, so, um, and it's hard to have a proper conversation with people, right? You know, you have these two hour conversation or not hour and a half conversations with them and, uh, but you kind of have this five minutes. It's like, okay, I got to go. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Neither of us are very proficient at hosting parties. <laughs> so yes. we're not, not that great. Yes. Well, thankfully, though, we have the sponsors that are there. And they always have a bunch of staff that are there mingling as well and talking to people. And I, I don't know. The participants really care. They're getting free They're food getting and drink. Booze, and they, yeah. uh, uh, they get to talk to their peers and uh, their colleagues. And it's an, a way for them to kill a couple of hours before the evening program starts. I had a, I had at one point, I was talking to, um, was I talking, I was either talking to uh, Jeff Topping from Challenger or I was talking to John Vinge from Halver Lines. And I was introducing them because I didn't think that they knew each other and they didn't. But I couldn't remember anybody's name. So it was just, well, it was either, it was either at the reception or it was at the, uh, it was at the award presentation. And I'm like, okay, Challenger, meet Halver. Or, oh no, it was Interstate. It was Scott from Interstate. And it, it was at, before the award presentation. So I'm like, Challenger, meet Interstate. I can't remember either of your names right now. <laughs> I'm just thinking about you as your companies. How it's to like make they, people feel important. I know, and they're just looking at me like I'm some kind of crazy woman, which at that point I am because I'm a bit pumped up. Yeah. As you have to be before you go on stage if you want to have any sort of, 
if you're if you have no energy before you go on stage, it shows. Yeah, you've got you to be up there and have be to... excited and have a big smile pasted on. Well, it's not uh, just that. Is that if you have the energy and if you are ready to do it, then it naturally comes. It's just yeah. kind of getting yourself psyched up to do it. Um, especially when you're speaking, and even if you are speaking from a teleprompter and have all your words there, you you kind of you don't want to be reciting it like yeah. It's... You got to put some life into it. Yeah, exactly. you can't just. There's people that stand up there and read the prompter, and it's awful. And uh... do you know what happened when I was reading the prompter? I don't know if I told you this or not, but uh, and I was rewatching the the FaceTime video that uh, Marley did for us. That's up on the Facebook page as well. Um, I forgot where the books were. Actually, I don't think I knew. Yeah. And I moved. was thinking, the books are here somewhere. Yeah. I think they're at the back, but I'm not sure. So there's a pause while I think, where are the books? And you said something like, they're somewhere here in this room. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is stuff that happens in a live performance. Well, what was also different this year is in addition... Plus, they got moved. Because remember, yes. they were at the table and they got moved. And yeah. I think I heard that they moved, but I didn't know where. Yeah. Well, what I noticed different this year is in addition to the paddle style teleprompter screens right at the podium, they also had a large screen back farther in the room for all the people that were walking around. Because there's a couple of speakers that wanted to walk around and not uh, be standing at the podium. So they had to have a screen out there so they could see the um, see their script. But if you were in sort of the front third of the audience, you could turn around and read that prompter as well. I didn't have that prompter. No, you didn't because you were at your podium, but some of the other speakers did. And some of those speakers were kind of pedantic in the way they are speaking, just kind of reading the stuff. So I found it easier to just turn around and just read it off the screen. Oh, and really? I, yeah. And, well, because they can kind of read. I always find it interesting to see what's on the prompter versus what actually comes out of their mouths. So um, it was more entertaining that way. Uh, but then they realize that they better turn that off before they announce any winners because it'll be up on the prompter before the person says it. And then a third of the audience will know who the winners are. Uh, so they did, uh, did well, That's do why well. I didn't have it because I couldn't... Uh... Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have them. we didn't have the the winners' names in our scripts at all. So oh, it was on the prompter. Oh, was it? Yeah, in the final one. Yeah, and it said that uh, Bison was going to be represented by Rob, and I had to remember yeah. Garth Pitzel's name. I couldn't just say Bison, represented by Bison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all the all of the uh, the fun of a live show, fun of a live performance, and there was not. Uh, it went off pretty smoothly. There's not a lot of issues with it. Everybody did, stood on their masking tape. Everybody stood in the right spot. Um, there were marks. Like the, you uh, have marks on the stage that tell people where to stand. And uh, they're generally, it's generally all the marks that people have to have are all on stage. So when you look at the stage floor, there's all of these X's and lines and things like that. And really all you have to do is worry about your marks. And were they different colored? Tapes? No, it oh, was all, all the same, same color tape, which is, is normal. I mean, if, if you don't have conflicting marks, then you don't need them in different color tape. Right. You know, you can just do it in one. And there was like this little box for the person who was going to be standing next to me, who they had to be in that box. And, the, and it worked out okay for the pictures. They seemed to more or less be, in their, be on their marks. But uh, I think they kind of got moved around in the middle but anyway no so it worked out pretty good oh that's good yeah from the front of the stage it looked uh, pretty smooth um people stood in the right spot they knew what to do once they get their awards they were suitably surprised and shocked when they uh, were announced as the overall winners 
and had decent speeches. So Grand all of that Island, went pretty Tom well. said he didn't think he was going to. Oh, he said he thought he might. So he'd, he got his speech from last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of dug up his speech from before. Because he didn't win last year, <laughs> and uh, but he had a speech. Yeah. Which I found really a lot. <laughs> but he just keeps a stockpile of speeches on hand. Just, just, just in, in case. case. Yeah. So then the only real issue was that uh, on the big screens beside the stage, they had the wrong version of, the lo- of our logo. Yeah. So um, well, they that... had the wrong year's version. But that's that's not that big of a deal because... Both of the sponsor videos had the right logos and the right years and stuff. So and the overall, book had the right year. The and... book was correct. Yeah, I was having a mild panic though um, before the thing happened, and I was grabbing a book and was thinking, because in the book we list for each company we list the years that they've been a best fleet, and then any times that they were an overall winner. And then I thought, oh crap, we didn't put the overall winners <laughs> in there. This year's overall winners in there. Uh, the things that you start panicking about, you know, know. right at the time uh, that are all ridiculous, but it just starts uh, creeping into your head. Yeah. So I would find out. Well, I think that was a good idea to put all the best fleet years Mm -hmm. because it makes more sense when you start saying, you know, people are five timers and six timers -timers, and things like that. Yeah. So that all went very well. Actually, I like that how we had that with the people coming out. That way, I think that worked. I don't know yeah. what it looked like from the front no, of the stage. No, it looked good. So we had our multi-year people come out first. And um, we said, you group. know, like um, Fremont contract carriers, seven consecutive years as a best fleet. Yeah. Uh, who was after that? Uh, interstate. No, not no, interstate. Landstar, Landstar Systems, six, six consecutive years. Yeah. So that worked pretty well. So yeah. we get a little bit of an extra plug for the people that have been there multiple times. And the lineup changes a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's in a different order. So... So that was good. Uh, that's kind of the high point. It's certainly the most work and the, the busiest. And uh, Can I tell you that backstage area? Yes, you made was some reference to it. nasty. Yeah. It was like a concrete, it was a, like, it was this concrete room with a couple of chairs in it. It was, <laughs> and there was a loading dock right there. Oh, So nice. there's these massive, there was a huge high ceilings, but it's all, it's not nice. It's right. all concrete. It was horrible. And Was uh, it concrete? I think. I'm not sure. Have I mentioned that it was concrete? Once or 50 times. A couple of times. Um, Well, it was also kind of, felt kind of not that clean. So (laughs) (laughs) So you don't want to touch it with light colored clothing, you know, brush up against it. No. And this is the thing. I'm wearing friggin' white. (laughs) And if, I don't know, Mark knows this, but I generally don't buy white things because they don't, you generally stay white. There's a a very, very good chance that there will be a big stain on it or I will have rubbed off against something dark or, you know. So I'm, I'm always aware of, of what could happen. But there was this big, huge loading dock door. And then at the end of the presentation, I ended up walking around to the back and I found what I was expecting, which was like all of the coffee and fruit and all the, the food. Fancy green the fancy fa- Yeah, the fancy, the green room that I was expecting. That's the real speaker's green room. I don't think it, I'm not sure anybody knew it was there. Huh. Because nobody, well, maybe they did. Maybe. Uh, Somebody must have set it up. The staff just didn't tell you about it. No, no, that would have been set up by the hotel staff. Oh, okay. That wouldn't be the TCA staff. I think huh. that would be hotel. Interesting. I don't know. I, it's one of those things that 
you know, you don't think about, they don't, they don't usually say, Jane, here's your green room with a, cause I'm not the most important person right. there. I'm sure that Did, Russell had, despite what we think, Russell we and Rob important. knew that it was there. Yeah. They weren't telling me though. Ah, uh, okay. Cause the, yeah, I'm, I'm only there for 15 minutes. They're there for what, three days. Oh yeah. So the other thing that was big excitement for us is that there was actually a, a step stool for Jane. Oh my God! Yes, which has that been was, an, that been was an the issue. the most awesome thing. It's been an issue because, um, yeah, the outgoing chairman Russell Stubbs is like I don't know eight feet tall, <laughs> and the incoming chairman They're all eight Rob feet, Penner eight feet tall. was also like eight feet tall. <laughs> Half and of I'm the speakers, four feet tall. Yeah, so Jane with heels is like five two and a half. Uh, hey, five three. Okay. I so, think I might be. And that makes a difference in terms of where the... Um, the teleprompter. Where the prompter screens are and even the podium because you have, the podiums are set for certain heights. So if you have a podium that is too low and you're a tall person, then it looks like sort of a miniature podium. It looks kind of silly. And they have to bend over. And, and it's, they have to yeah, bend over. It's and it nice. looks And it's if it's too tall, it's also wrong because then you look like a child standing at the adult Hello. podium. Hello, so, I'm here. Yeah, this has been issues in the past, and um, so this not year issues. I mean, well, it's I can been a get challenge because you yeah. had to sort of stand on your toes and things yeah. like that. So this year they had a a, a stool ready, um, and they had choreography planned because that's the other part of it is when you have yeah. a stool, who's pulling it out, and when, and when is it being removed, and all of that. So they'd figured out all of that stuff, um, and it went very smoothly. Um, it was great for you. It was a bit of a uh, an issue for the winners yeah. because they go to give a speech and they're not sure if they're standing on the thing or not. So well, both of them could have used a podium. I mean, neither Garth nor Tom are really up, tall men. So no, but they ended up putting sort of one foot on the podium and kind of leaning into it, or one foot on the step no. and leaning into the podium. Tom actually stood Did he stand on, it? on it. Yes, okay, because he was sort of figuring it out for a bit there. Garth was having more of a an issue. Yeah. I don't think he normally gets that. So what we need to do next time is have it such that you can stand on it, but maybe like it's hollowed out or something so that you can stand on the sides or other I people. totally could have removed it. If I had been thinking about it, um, I could have removed it or asked them because it's not like I'm not right there. Mm. We need to do what the Oscars does and have like a microphone that comes out of the floor that automatically adjusts to your height. That's yeah. how we should have it. I mean, what kind of Where show is are these my... guys running? Exactly. Yeah. So that was the award but presentation. But it was awesome. It I... was excellent. And it's uh, busy and uh, a bit stressful for us getting everything done. But by the time we get there and get to the award presentation, it's it's a good time. I mean, we have a lot of work to do in advance of that. But once we get there, it's fun. Uh, it's exciting. Then the problem is afterwards, it's hard to kind of come down from it because you're sitting there and there's other speakers and stuff and you're all torqued up from this presentation and the awards and you yeah. got to sit there for another 45 minutes and listen to a panel discussion, which... I'm not sure I did. Well, it was one that I really wanted to hear this year because it was the panel on autonomous, autonomous. vehicles, which, uh, w which had was some great really, stuff. It, actually, I think I must have sat there it because really I well remember done. some of it and they were talking about how... Um, Basically, it's not as close. Well, it is and it isn't. Yeah, some parts of it are close, but they were talking. The thing that really stuck with me is they were talking about that well-publicized um, event the where the, not the, the, the uh, auto truck doing the delivery of beer, the autonomous vehicle doing that delivery of beer, 
and um, you know, uh, sharing that, yeah, that was great, but they had done that like a hundred times before that to practice it. So basically it was just a vehicle running end to end in a closed course. Uh, so they had gone through that many, many times to practice it and refine it and clean it up before they uh, recorded it and broadcast it and advertised that they'd finished it. So yes, it is possible for autonomous vehicles to do things, but only within very specific parameters and very tight guidelines. So, and wasn't didn't, someone made the comparison between um, yes, you may have autonomous like vehicles that can drive themselves, but you don't want to get on a plane that, without a pilot. Without a pilot, even yeah. though they have an yeah. autopilot that's doing most sure. of the work. Oh yeah, and, and passenger vehicles will be a long time before they're autonomous. But it was, um, so the, the people on the panel were um, somebody from Freightliner who's, I think, in charge of their uh, autonomous vehicle division or something like that, a regulator. Um, I want to say it was Ohio for some reason. And, uh, oh, then the person who's sort of responsible for that at the ATA. So people that are very much directly involved in it um, had very good information. So... Um, I think there's sort of notes from it that are available, but it was a, a fantastic presentation. And I was really unhappy with the fact that I had to leave just before it was over, which I discovered is one of the downsides of exhibiting is that you have to bail on these general sessions just before they end because you got to go down and make sure your booth is sort of up and running again. Um, and ours was, you know, not exactly very difficult. Um, we had the uh, the show people do most of the work, but I did have to take my laptop down there and plug it in and turn the TV on, which is very difficult work for me. You probably could have been. I probably could have walked down there right at the same time. Um, but I don't know. You got to do the work. And I wasn't sure what I was going to find. And every time it was funny. I walk out of the general session and there's probably 40 people sitting outside the general session in the uh, in the tables there just having meetings and discussions and stuff and you go down to the exhibit area and even though the exhibit is supposed to open at like 10 15 you go down at five after 10 the doors are open and there's a hundred people walking around in there so uh, there's people that come early because they are skipping out of the general session for one reason and of course there's tons of vendors and all the vendors are yeah. there as well so um, it was an interesting experience it was uh, busy that's for sure and uh, we did not sleep very much, so no. we were quite drained uh, at the and end now, of it. And now I am sick. <laughs> yeah, and as usual, we you come home. We probably got sick. Yeah, you come home exhausted, um, yeah, with some sort of ailment. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, uh, oh, and five pounds heavier because you end up with travel bloat no matter what you do. So... These are the struggles of the of the convention. But there was one thing that I did want to sort of talk about that came out of this is that speaker that was on the last day. Uh, and the thing I, I really enjoyed found, that. Well, I always find it kind of odd that the TCA convention pretty much wraps up on the Tuesday night where they have their big banquet and then they do their their big awards or safety awards and it's a big event there. They have entertainment and then they have the uh, outgoing chairman's reception that's after the banquet. So it goes sort of into the wee hours. But then they have another speaker on the Wednesday morning. And and it's a little later than normal. It started at 8.45. But hardly anyone goes to it. So if there's like 1,000 or 1,200 people registered for the convention in total. And most of those people are at the Monday morning general session and probably three-quarters of them at the Tuesday one. The uh, the Wednesday general session with his keynote speaker is maybe 200 people. 
And I always find that weird because it's that's always like their big name, one of their marquee speakers. And this year, the guy was fantastic. He's a, um, a former McKinsey consultant who's got this strategic consulting company of his own now that is all about outthinking the competition. He's got a book and he's got a, a blog that's very popular. And I think he writes for Forbes magazine or something like that as well. So sort of uh, got all of the boxes checked in terms of this guy's credibility. And he's talking about here's the different ways, things to think about when being competitive and how to uh, beat the competition at their own game. But it's not even, it's, it's having a totally different way of competing it's it's almost like ignoring the competition and then yeah. and you know kind of going around the corner and doing it a com- so such a completely different way that no one even knows that you're on the scene until you've succeeded and it's it's one of those things that happens in tech a lot mm-hmm. but it was that whole idea the example that I really liked was um, energy drinks competing with soda companies. Right. So you have Coke, Pepsi, uh, what's another one? Mountain Dew. Oh, okay. Know. So you have those. So like if Coke is looking at their competitors, they're looking at Pepsi, Mountain Dew, like all of those guys. Mm-hmm. And But they're not thinking of the energy drinks. Yeah. They're so, not even aware of it. Yeah. So not um, not Gatorade. Or well, Gatorade was Gatorade another was example one of sports them. drinks. So all of these soda companies aren't even realizing. They're not even looking at these things. So it doesn't show up in their numbers until all of a sudden this new category is created of sports drinks or energy drinks or... And yeah, it was creating new categories. Yeah. And I thought that that was extremely uh, interesting and something that kind of it kind of ties into best fleets, mm-hmm. you know, where the people who are really doing well and attracting drivers are companies that are kind of creating new categories. Yeah, and, and that's exactly right. The people that tend to do well aren't the ones that are just tweaking sort of standard ideas and standard practices. They're the ones that are being creative and coming up with a whole bunch of new things or stuff that really hasn't been done before, shifting it completely. It was like that we went to a a local home show yesterday um, and just sort of wandered around and you and it's like a trade show and you get all the the stuff. And I remember seeing, oh, because we were looking for kitchens. We need to redo our kitchen because it's completely it's going to fall in <laughs> on itself. Um, so we have to get it redone. So we get all these advertisements or, or bits of paper from all of these different places. And I remember looking at one that basically had all of these features listed on the back. And it was, you know, we had check, check marks. So feature, 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 feature. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you have a nice picture of a kitchen on the front. You have all the features on the back, which are exactly the same as everybody else's feature. And it's kind of like what you see in um, ads for drivers is, you know, feature, 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 which is exactly the same as everybody else has. And most of the time it's here's the details of our pay package and a picture of our truck. Yeah, yeah. which may or may not be what ends up what the driver is expecting or receives for one reason or another. And that may be totally legitimate, but there's that disconnect between what the driver sees and and what they experience later on. But anyway, I was thinking of that and that sort of, you know, why even bother putting it on paper that you're, yeah, you're an also ran like you're okay. You're, you're the same. Well, it's the thing that we heard from our marketing consultants early on is, 
you know, the, the first attempt at marketing, often they totally get it wrong because they don't understand what's different. And you could take that that you're talking about, remove that company's logo, put somebody else's logo at the top of it, and it would still apply. So they haven't identified what's different about them. Exactly. And we see, yeah, we do see the same thing um, in Best Fleets. And the one that I always you know, come back to that's a great example of that, people just trying to fight over the same thing, which is the ridiculous uh, lengths people go to to explain how their open-door policy is different. It's not just an open-door policy. It's a true open-door. It's a open real. Door. It's a real-life, true-to-life. We have a no-doors policy. Oh, yeah, that's better. We don't even have walls. We have no openings at all. And you, you get know. a one. Yeah, <laughs> because it's all just the same thing. They're not really doing anything. Yeah. But yet the companies that are having way more success with it are going in a totally different direction altogether. Uh, so that's where we uh, see, you know, a, a real difference there. And I thought that was an interesting part of that guy's presentation. Uh, he had like, it was supposed to be like six. eight eight steps to outthinking the competition. And I'd counted six of them or five or something like that. So I think no, I missed. No, I think he has a whole, he like had there's four a whole or five lack that of he them. talked about. And then he had a couple of things in the beginning that were sort of conceptual. But yeah, it was. It reminded me a little bit of uh, Blue Ocean Strategy, which is basically about stop competing in the same place that everybody is competing. Find the things that the customer doesn't care about and remove those because that cuts your cost. And then you can focus on investing that cost or investing in other things that the customer does care about. And that's exactly the same thing that we see in the Best Fleets world is that uh, there are things that drivers don't care about that companies spend a boatload of money on. So figure out what those things are, remove those, and then you can take that uh, expense and invest it into something that is much more meaningful for the drivers. Um, and we also, when the fleets that are pushing it forward, and I think it's important to, like, even even if you don't participate in best fleets, like, just looking at the questions can give you a lot of, of information about what you can do in your company, because we follow the fleets. We don't, we don't make it up. It's, it's not coming from, it's not coming from our imagination. We basically ask questions because fleets are doing these things. And uh, so, for example, we have separated out questions this year for, you know, how do you, how do you attract, the, uh, do you have a military program? How do you attract the military? And the reason that we have that is because Reese Across America is such a popular program at the TCA that it kind of has filtered down to all of these companies have a way of, you know, some sort of program for hiring veterans. And, what's and in ATA as well. ATA is committed to hiring however many thousands of, of veterans. Yeah, and well, that kind of... It all sort of fits together. Yeah, it's all part of the same package, but not, not that many. There's a lot of fleets that haven't even thought about it. So you've got all of these, um, the top 20 for sure have a lot of it. Um, but these fleets who've decided that they're going to participate in that program have are doing that. They're finding a new category. They're trying to find another way to find drivers. Companies that uh, really go like really go to town on trying to figure out how to re how to attract women and how to make their company more attractive for women in the office and 
in the driver's seat, they're kind of creating a new category. And what will happen is all of these people will eventually follow, but the leaders will have found new categories Mm -hmm. after that. So that's the problem with not trying to think about what is next, is that you fall behind because your competitors are thinking about what's next. And that's what this guy was saying as well. Yeah, and he had a great quote, and I don't remember the source. But it was something to the effect of, uh, and I, uh, I uh, it's like I don't, I don't have a problem with people copying from me. By the time they get it going, I will have already had a twelve-month head start on the next thing or something, uh, which really makes the point of that. Yeah, people can copy you, but you're going to be moving on to the next thing as well. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was a great speaker. Um, he talked about creating new categories and moving on to the next thing or forcing the other thing he talked about was forcing a two front battle, which is so you're not just competing in one area, but you have multiple areas that forces the competition to try and do double duty where they wouldn't uh, naturally want to do that. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting one as well. And he gave some examples of um, Amazon is a great example. So Amazon is competing with people in retail, online retail, but Amazon also has a huge business selling uh, internet services to uh, other companies. So Amazon Web Services has become one of the largest cloud suppliers in the world and suppliers of technology and sort of rented server space and things like that. So they've actually got two different things that they're competing with people on, but both tie into the other. So all of their work on the Amazon Web Services side makes their retail more efficient. And all the things they learn from retail, they can put into the AWS portfolio to make a better set of offerings for all the people that are renting server space for them. And with their new fleet, because they're also buying trucks. Yeah. So that's the third one. I suppose, yeah. I mean, they're starting to compete. Yeah, not, I guess, um, yeah, not only just competing in a retail, but they're going to take on the delivery side of it as well. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a and lot harder. do you harder. think that they're going to be just, you know, delivering their products or are they going to well, start seeing? Well, all the seeing... stuff from all of their marketplace. Yeah. So... so they're not only going to cut out whoever is doing that service right now, but they will probably eventually branch out because if they have, if they're successful with that, then they're going to start thinking, okay, well, we could be delivering other people's things. And well, they'll incorporate... be delivering, they already sell stuff from other suppliers and other stores. So yeah, they start doing delivery as well, which is a logical extension of Prime, Amazon Prime, that gets you the free two-day delivery. Mm-hmm. And it's not just for things they sell directly, but a lot of their partner products are in there as well. It's going to get harder and harder for somebody like Walmart to compete with that, with their online presence. And Walmart is also, they already bought like the number two e-commerce company, uh, I don't know, six months ago or something like that, to try and compete with them. So they're going to have to do that. But now they've got to think about, okay, well, there's also the delivery side of it too. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very interesting. And it's, it's, again, something that we see in the Best Fleets program because, you know, there's people that are doing a lot of great stuff now, and we're doing great stuff four or five years ago. You know, the reason that Fremont Contract Carriers is on that list every year is because they had a great list of things five years ago. And every year they look at the results book, pour through it, and see every place where they didn't get full marks to see what else they can be doing. So. It was so it was so interesting this year that I overheard a few conversations or had conversations with the top 20 about doing exactly that, mm-hmm. that they were going to go over the scores and start talking about what their strategy is going to be, which is great 
However, I hope they don't try and just recreate the wheel. Like, I don't want them to just all try to be bison. Bison wants to be beaten. Yeah. Like, you know, every time we talk to Garth about, you know, well, I said to him on the, because we saw him in the airport, I said, okay, you want to take a year off this? And he's like, <laughs> no. And, uh, and he said, you know, come and get us. We want, we want the industry to get better. Yeah. We want people to be able to compete with us. So, well, uh, those, yeah, those companies that are doing that, they really want to keep pushing it. And uh, yeah, I always find that interesting. But that kind of comes back to uh, one of the other things that this speaker uh, was talking about. And it occurs to me that I really should know his name um, since we keep talking about him. So uh, we'll look, look up the up. name yeah, so that we can give credit where credit is due. Um, because he also has a book, right? Yeah, it's like outthinking.com or something like that. But anyway, one of the other things he was talking about is you can't just copy things and just immediately do it. You've got to make it your own. You've got to uh, do it in such a way that fits with your philosophy and the values of the company and things like that. And that's something that we've talked about quite a bit for a few years, that you can't just... Um, Kahan Krippendorf, yes, Dr. Kahan Krippendorf, yeah. Starts with a K, K-R-I-P-P-E-N-D-O-R-F-F. Yeah. So he's talking about how you've got to make it your own. And we've said that for, for years. You can't just copy someone else's program. You've got to find a way to fit it into the mold of what the business is about and adapt it. So we see that, that the successful companies take the idea of an, uh, a program for drivers or something that they want to do, and then they figure out how to do it within their company in a way that fits with what they're already doing. And that's the only way to really have success with it. And I know that, I know you've heard me say this 50 times before, and I've said this, I, I keep on telling other people, why isn't every single trucking company using conference calls with their drivers? Why? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's one of those ideas that I thought was great the first time I heard it, like six years ago. And it's people just aren't doing it. And I think it's one of those ways that the competition stays ahead because everybody else goes, oh, yeah, they're doing that. No, we couldn't do that in our company. Hmm. And they just sort of let other people win. So as an example of something that would be easy for people to adapt yeah. and fit into their own culture if they put some effort into it. Thank God that you're here to interpret my my random utterances. Yes, this is my... This is your role in life. This is my job. You've been stuck together with me. Okay. You have to take the good with the bad. <laughs> Sorry. But it, but that's these are the things that are going through my head mm-hmm. when uh, I hear... I hear about that, and I was talking to I was talking to another carrier, like you know, just do it. Like this is something that every single carrier can do. Everybody has access to phones. Mm-hmm. Everybody can do it. Now I think maybe three best fleets are are three of the top twenty are doing it. Well, there's a few more that are talking about doing it now. After you ranted at them, this has been Jane's rant of the month. I think from March. It's not a rant. It's just a, why are you doing it? When you say, when you have other the companies who aren't in the top 20 tell us a lot that they don't, like, I got told a couple of times that we can't do it, you know, it's too much work, we're we're never going to be able to do it, blah, 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 and it's like, 
well, okay, well, if that's, <laughs> then you won't. But well, what's funny there's is. There's some easy ideas that you can do that, yeah. not, you know, that are not only bison things. Well, that always comes out of the whole meetings discussion is how often do you meet with your people? How often do you meet with your drivers? Everybody talks about having an open door policy and they want to treat them like family and they want to have this great community. And so, okay, how often do you meet with them? Oh, well, we can't meet with them because it's way too hard to get everybody together with the assumption that a meeting must be a physical thing where everybody's in the same place together. And it must Which also so, be all, it's all or nothing. Well, it, it's so 1980s. Um, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah, there are companies that are having success just doing a monthly conference call. Like Jane is saying, there are people that are doing virtual meetings. There are people that are doing Facebook live for their meetings or doing WebEx and things like that. There's so many different ways to get together. It's really, it's a, uh, it's a sad commentary, uh, on, you know, how cloistered people are. If they think that the only way to have a meeting is for everybody to be sitting in a room together physically. And that's nice once in a while, but yeah, it's not feasible. It's the exact opposite of what the entire industry is about. So find other ways to get around it. So yeah, the people that have found other ways to get around it tend to do very well in the program. Mm -hmm. So solve yeah. your problems. Yeah. If you if this is a problem and it's coming up, it's something that is is a is a barrier. Then figure out a way around it because that's the only way to succeed is to figure out ways around it. We certainly do that. Mm -hmm. Seems like it's on a daily basis. Okay, here's this problem. How are we gonna get around this one? All right, Yeah. next. So I guess our takeaway from that is uh, Dr. Kahan Krippendorf is a very interesting speaker and writer and uh, would certainly yeah. be worth checking out some of the stuff that he's doing within the context of how to apply those concepts within the fleet, because even though he's talking about sort of strategic business disruption and a, a larger level, but a lot of it applies at a lower level, even to the, the day-to-day stuff about how you organize departments and um, put people together and do different things. And, and are processes working or do they need to be disrupted so that they can, you well, know, to change things up so that they work better yeah, or work differently? And we spent 20 minutes or so talking about it in the context of the Best Fleets program. But it's worth noting that we've taken the, pretty much the same approach on the training side of things as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of moving into, he's talking about moving into different places, moving to um, different categories before other people were there. And I mean, I just remember the joy that we had when we first launched a, an e-learning product into the Canadian trucking industry and the number of people that thought we were crazy because there's no way drivers can use a computer. Yeah. That's insane. Drivers don't use computers. But yet here we are <laughs> 11 years later. Um, and um, that whole thing about adapting it and um, what I was talking about earlier about getting rid of the stuff that people don't care about that add cost and putting that cost into something that people do care about, the blue ocean strategy model where you cut out the garbage basically and refine your investments. And that's basically our approach on the sales side. We don't have salespeople because who the heck likes salespeople? Nobody wants to be called by a salesperson. You hate getting those calls. Yeah. So we don't have any salespeople. We put that money into the product and it works better. So And marketing. Yeah, we do, marketing. We do some marketing, but yeah. we try to make the marketing interesting. Yeah. So it's not just a list of the things that we do. There's a, There's more of a, I don't know, 
what we're all about or our, our presence. Well, it's why less intrusive should... as well. Yeah. I mean, we're not calling you every week and badgering you. But you know what? What we find is with people and our product is that it's very hard to force people. And I think sales, like really hard sales, I think there is an actual you're kind of forcing people, like you're pushing people into using something that they may not necessarily want to do. And there are complex products that require a salesperson to sort of project manage the whole thing. So I'm not necessarily disparaging salespeople in general. There are certainly products and services that require that because it takes explanation and discussion and looking at, for instance, um, Engage, which is a great benchmarking product. They have to do the sales part of it up front because it's a newer product and they need that feedback through those discussions right. to, to refine the feature set and to help people understand what it is because it's kind of a new concept. And I guess that's something that happens when you've got that new category, you're more likely to need somebody to do that, uh, somebody to have that discussion and talk to people about it and sort of uh, frame it the right way. But if you're looking at something that has been... Yeah, but online training Online training, yeah. In, one of the first online uh, training course, first computer-based training, was done in the early 70s at Xerox. So it's not a new concept. And, and I think we find more success with people who have already accepted the idea of doing yeah. training online rather than having a salesperson badger them into it, which yeah. we're not comfortable with. Well, and we found it's that it tends to, tends to not work as well. I mean, you've got yeah. to be ready to make that change and ready to jump into it at the organizational level. Um, and a salesperson harassing you into buying something isn't going to fix that. You end up with shelfware where, you know, you get convinced to buy something and it just sits on the shelf not being used. So we don't want that. We would rather have something that people are ready to use and embrace and jump into it wholeheartedly. So we'll wait. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, I know. We'll wait for Man, you Man, we're patient. We can hold our breaths for a long time, we've learned. But we also have a lot of partners who do that, who, who do yes. that thing, that kind of thing for us. And I think, you know... You know, maybe we would be multi-billionaires right now if we did have that skill set. Instead we... of only quasi-billionaires. Right. Imaginary billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so some very interesting things coming out of the uh, convention. Um, and, you know, the unfortunate part is there's so many things that we said, okay, well, we'll deal with that after the convention. We've got to focus on doing a good convention, get everything ready. We can take care of this stuff afterwards. Well, now it's after the convention. And what are we doing? We're sitting here yapping at each other. So, yes, but it means that we need to get down to some other things. Yes. All of those things have Accident been put off. Accident investigation. Yeah, so that's what you, you've got coming. Yep. Yeah, we, we've put course development on hold really for about two months now. Yeah. So now we need to get into it. So you've got two or three titles to deliver in the next three months or so. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, but I've got It'd some... actually be nice because I'll, I'll ha I've had the break. Oh, yeah. So now I can get back into it. Yeah. And they're going to be shorter ones as well. Yeah. They're going to be shorter ones. Accident scene is not going to be that long. What's the other one after that? Distracted driving. Mm -hmm. That won't be all that long either. No. So we got some new stuff happening there. Uh, I've got a bunch of things that I've got to take care of because I've got other shows coming up as we've got the TCA safety and security show in May. And, and then we have builders. Workforce Builders. Yeah, and some other speeches to do in there. But uh, we've got some new arrangements, some new partnerships. Uh, we have, um, we've got a signed agreement now. So I think I can mention oh, it with yes. uh, Sentry Insurance. 
um, the next insurer that is uh, going to be reselling our product. And I saw they just renewed as an ATA featured product. So uh, I think they'll be doing some, um, they'll certainly be doing some significant things at, uh, at the uh, MC&E in the fall and around that. So we'll look at doing some stuff with them together. Uh, so that's going well. And um, we have a new PR company starting today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got some excitement in we that We have area. a call later. And uh, our new staff are ramping up. So we've got uh, lots of things to take care of there, some organizational things internally, because we've got new developers and new support people. They're all working out uh, uh, pretty well. So now we've got to just make sure that we're all organized and everything and sort of get everybody uh, running in the same direction at full speed. So (laughs) April is going to be busy for us doing all of those things. That reminds me of what it's like when you have like three-year-old soccer games and they (laughs) they all go off running off after the ball, but they go off into other people's fields and stuff like that. They may be uh, kicking the ball towards their own goal and stuff. Yeah, they don't care. They just got a ball and they're kicking it and it's just going and it's great. And for the last month, that's kind of what we've been doing. Well, I mean, not three-year-olds, but uh, yeah, uh, not that organized because we've been busy with other things, getting ready for the convention and people have been kind of ramping up, getting comfortable with different uh, parts of the code base and functions and things like that. So now that everybody is up to speed, uh, we can get running on those we things. We can try and keep them in the field. <laughs> <laughs> Point them to the proper goal and uh, send them on their way. Yeah. Oh, I love those. So that's going to be... Uh, it's my favorite part of soccer. Yes. Exciting. Um, there was a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about. Um, sort of going back to the convention a little bit, and uh, we alluded to this off the top, uh, but... The two different experiences we've had with hotels and oh, yes. sort of what it says about customer service and sort of business approach to things. Um, and and I think that was it was kind of interesting because. Um, well, we overall, and we there's were something not... else that I've been sort of reading about that I'll bring oh, okay. into this. But, yeah, we weren't overly impressed with a hotel. No. And there was a few different things that really. I mean, it's it's hard to say uh, a lot, and I don't want to spend 20 minutes just um, bashing this hotel, but it really seemed like they were trying to cut corners. Like the corporate yes. people were sort of cutting costs in different areas. And the staff, for the most part, you know, were friendly and polite, and they were trying hard, but they kind of had that look about them as well, like they're sort of under the gun with cost cutting as yes. well. There was a lot of very tired people. Yeah, like they're working long shifts. Yeah. And, uh, um, and not the great shifts and things, so which we don't see very often in hotels. And no. uh, I think there's four that hotels. tired people, you know, sort of leaning on the on the, you know, where you go up to the restaurant and you've got that sort of desk thing there, oh, yeah, yeah. and they're all leaning on it, sort of looking at you like, "Hello," <laughs> and you think, "Oh, you poor things! Like, should yeah. should I be bothering you?" <laughs> but it's. What struck me, and it really was sort of came into sharp contrast because we had this experience, and it's a could be a fantastic facility. It's a, it's a really beautiful facility, and they have the potential to be really nice. Uh, but they're obviously cutting costs on things because you can see that in the different restaurants and sort of the quantities and even the selection of things on the menu that are very small compared to comparable facilities. 
And then we come back and you're talking uh, on the phone today with another uh, place that is a smaller, one of these kind of motor lodge uh, type motels that we're going to be at uh, for a night this coming weekend. Uh, oh, it's like it's a Holiday Inn Express. Yes. So it's not exactly high end. It's not the high end, but no. super friendly. Um, oh, no extremely. issues. Very responsive. And I see, you know, the other chain where we were at has had a change of corporate ownership uh, a year or two ago. And it's that typical thing. It just, it, it seems very much like that typical thing of new owners come in and let's cut costs and we'll cut corners here and there and make the numbers look good. It's good for public markets um, and makes everybody look good, but it ends up just killing them in the long term. Yeah. And it reminded me of articles that I've been reading about um, Tim Hortons, which, you know, in Canada, Tim Hortons is iconic. Oh, yeah. You can't go 15 feet without seeing a Tim Hortons somewhere. There's thousands of them. And like, as soon as they put the sign it's a up, way of life. As soon as there's a sign that goes up that says that Hortons is coming here. In there's the next a lineup. Month, there's a lineup of people waiting for the drive through. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, essentially for a long time, it was almost like a license to print money. You couldn't really go wrong with a Tim Hortons franchise. Um, but Hortons has got new corporate overlords. So uh, it was bought by this Brazilian company, 3G Capital Management, and they bought um, Burger King as well, and they've merged them now into this uh, large sort of uh, restaurant, um, I don't know, conglomerate, and I think they most recently bought Popeye's Chicken. Uh, but Hortons is um, one, of the, one of the first ones they bought, and they're having some real issues because the first thing that they did, the, the thing that 3G always does is they come in and they're really ruthless on cost-cutting. They just slash uh, head office staff. They basically slashed it to the bone um, and um, cut costs and they changed distributors. Well, all the franchisees are up in arms now because they're losing money. And, and what they've done is they basically downloaded a lot of stuff. So there's things that the head office used to provide, like um, breaks on um, rent and things like that, that they've stopped doing because it makes their bottom line look better, but they basically dumped all the costs onto uh. the franchisees. So the franchisees are, in many cases, not even making any money, uh, in some cases, losing money on these things wow. and having a lot of issues, having quality issues with the product and damage to their equipment. They've had to switch, like, one of their Did main you complaints. Read this? Did you read about this? Yeah, there's this? been a bunch of, there's been, like, a, a franchisee revolt. Um, they've created an association uh, because there was supposed to be a board, uh, like a franchisee board that's affiliated with the company, uh, but they're not getting any results. So they went and created their own independent association to revolt against the, uh, uh, the head office. Um, but they had to, uh, they changed suppliers for some of their equipment and they've got shoddier equipment that's breaking more often. So it's, you know, they think it's dangerous and it's costing them money. So 3G looks great. You know, the yeah. stock price is, is doing fabulously because they've cut all these costs and all these short-term decisions that make it look good right now. Well, it's going to come back to bite them because oh, yeah. franchisees are, are pissed off. People are well, unhappy. Well, if they're Customers losing money, then they're going to be, they'll be closing down. Or they're going to flip to something else. They'll flip to a different kind of franchise. Mm -hmm. um, Coffee time. Yeah, it'll be some other kind of thing. So it was something that I was thinking about. You know, and this has been ongoing for a month or two. There's been more and more stories in the uh, in the news about it, and sort of investigative reporting about what's going on there. Um, so I've been thinking of that while we're at this hotel, and I'm saying, man, these short-term decisions just end up not making you 
any money in the long term. It just kills you in the long term. And so after all of that, bringing it back to our larger theme, I see that in companies and in fleets as well. There are people that make these short-term decisions about, I want to cut costs on training. You know, we got to cut our costs and we're going to cut down on our training. And we've got people you know, that have, they may have a subscription for their whole fleet and then they shrink it. Um, and so they're oh, only doing training. Oh, in terms of training. the training that they buy yeah, from us. Yeah, so they're only training a third of their fleet or something like that. And it, uh, in the short term, it looks great on paper. Or they do things because they've got some cost-cutting measures, and we see about it in the Best Fleets program that they've stopped doing this because it was costing them a lot or whatever. And now it seems like things are starting to tighten up a little bit. We're hearing more and more that uh, the freight market is starting to get a little bit rougher mm -hmm. and people are having to cut costs. And we're seeing more of these sorts of decisions starting to happen. And it just ends up killing them in the long run because you know that short-term decision is going to end up hobbling the business down the road. You know, you well, you're going to have to make up for it down the road. It's yeah. not a. It's not something that is okay to eliminate and then bring back later without any pain. Yeah. There's, the pain is going to be associated with it. It's just when you feel that pain. Well, and what happens is the competition maybe isn't making those cuts, so they're going to end up being way far ahead. And you know, I've, I wrote about this in a LinkedIn article uh, a few months ago people cutting the cost of training and, and how it ends up killing them down the road. And the, the best example that I remember as a case study of this was during the recession in the early 2000s. So after the dot-com crash happened and 9-11 and SARS, that sort of two years where it was really rough in the tech industry. And most of the tech companies were cut into the bone. They cut their R&D quite substantially right down and they're dropping 50 60 percent off of their r d costs well apple didn't do that they kept their numbers and in fact um expanded increased it and people thought they were insane they were I barely making that. they yeah. weren't making a lot of money uh, at the time but they come out of that recession and you know in october of uh, 2001 they launched the ipod the first iPod, and then from there, it's just been a succession of hit after hit after hit, and now they're you know four times bigger than Microsoft. Have we lamented that we sold shares in Apple early on? I don't on? think we publicly lamented yet, uh, but yes, um, what was that, like 2006, 2007? Yeah. Yes, we sold our Apple shares, and I'm forever kicking myself for it. <laughs> well, we kind of had to. Yes, the cost of building a business. Yes. But anyway... You know, they we, have we really, bought shares in our own business. Yes. We invested Very in well us. Put. Very well put. Yes. It's not worth as much as our Apple shares. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway. It's ours. Yes. But so cutting those investments ends up biting you in the ass down the road. So um, I'm always sort of nervous when I hear people talking about that. And I see the evidence of it. Certainly see the evidence of it in Tim Hortons is having very public problems with it now. And I see that... Uh, you know, it will be interesting to see what happens at the other Gaylords because uh, there's four of them. I've now been to three, and next year at the convention we're back to the Orlando one. Um, so we'll see if uh, there's any difference. If there's any difference there, because um, yeah, our experiences at the other Gaylords were been really, really good. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of expecting the same sort of experience. So it was a little bizarre that uh, just the food was so. Well, it was, small. it was weird, yeah. Small portions yeah. and small amounts 
uh, or small amount of options on the menu, which is very weird. You normally you go to a hotel restaurant, you've got a pretty wide selection of offerings, but uh, most of the restaurants only had very small, like a, a half page of uh, different choices. And I think it's going to end up coming back to bite them because um, what should be a flagship property, which is a giant facility and apparently the largest non-gaming hotel in the U.S., um, they're probably going to end up having to go back to providing better service or providing more options, more in keeping with what you see at other restaurants and other hotels and things like that. So um, I'm sure we'll be back there. There's a lot of industry events that are uh, taking place at that uh, that hotel. So I imagine we'll be back there and uh, we'll see what it's like. I have to see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of other things that are coming up, so we've got uh, new courses that you're working on this month. Uh, we don't have any public events coming up this month. No, not this month. We're not getting a month. month off. We're getting a month off. Yes, as far as I know. I'll probably um, leave this and immediately be reminded of something that I committed to, (laughs) which happened to me last week. Uh, It turns out I had committed to speaking at an event uh, the day after we got back from the convention and then totally forgot about it. Um, I felt very badly when I was reminded of that, Uh, but I did go, did make it there on time, and apparently it went well, so that was good. Uh, They were happy. Do you remember it? I do remember it now, yeah. <laughs> Were you sleepwalking? Uh, I do remember the event. And now, once it was pointed out to me, I remembered the conversation where I agreed to do it. So, yes, uh, we Always are getting back. Always put things in your calendar. Which is weird that I didn't, yeah. So, uh, now we're getting back to normal. We've got a month with no events to mm-hmm. catch up on things. And uh, we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. So, I think that brings us to the end of another I fabulous podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. I have to say that every time. I <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a great day. <laughs>